0: Welcome back to In The Know. I'm Tiffany Bowie,
1: And I'm Luke Diamond. And it's really late and we're getting our butts kicked this week.
0: Luke, have you seen any good memes lately that, that would cheer us up?
1: Uh, that's a good question. Wait, I'm trying to think of a really good one. Oh, I saw, um, I saw a Valentine's Day card that was also a meme and it was a picture of Lady Gaga. And the caption was, if there was a hundred people in a room, you are the one. Does that make any sense to you?
0: No, is that a song?
1: Oh gosh, we're keeping this because there are people out there who will know exactly what I'm talking just about. Just play that.
0: the song, and I, I might it, know it's it. not
1: a song. It's something that she said in interviews. So you go look it up. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look up Lady Gaga, hundred people in a room, and you'll figure it out. What about you? Any any good memes this week?
0: Well, I mean, I guess I'm just not Gaga for Gaga. <laughs> oh.
1: I've got us both covered.
0: Yeah. Um. Any good memes? No, I've mostly just seen like animal videos. Like trans like with music transposed over it, and I'm that's my niche.
1: You know what? Sometimes sometimes you just gotta get through the school year with some animal transposed meme videos and uh and a lot of coffee. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah. You know what? Let's just get this episode started.
0: And here are headlines for the week.
1: A university football player has been kicked off the team for allegedly punching a police officer. Freshman Maxwell Jones was arrested after midnight Friday. He told officers he needed to exit the police car to vomit, and when they let him out, Jones allegedly assaulted one of the officers. According to police reports, Jones is facing charges of fourth-degree assault of an officer.
0: The student group Collegians for a Constructive Tomorrow, or CFACT, invited an NRA grassroots coordinator to present to students as part of a program called NRA University. The program aims to educate college students and invite them to become members of the organization.
1: Two people were shot near campus this week in two separate incidents. On Saturday, police reported a person was shot near Senator Amy Klobuchar's house in Marcy Holmes. Three days later, a man was shot in Cedar Riverside near the Cedar Cultural Center. Both victims were transported to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Police are searching for suspects.
0: Dinky Town has seen a number of businesses come and go over the years, but one restaurant is making a comeback. Bun Mi Sandwiches is set to open in the spring under the new name Bun Appetit. The co-founder of Bun Mi Sandwiches said the menu will be similar to the selections of the previous restaurant, but alongside the Bun mi will be a brand new addition the owners are keeping under wraps for now.
1: And those are our headlines for this week. Take a minute and think about your class schedule. Where's your first class today? What's the name of the building it's in? Murphy Hall? Moose Tower? What about your second class? Maybe it's in Ford Hall or Appleby or Hanson. Sometimes it's easy to forget that we study, eat, and even sleep in buildings named after real people. Behind every engraved brick is a professor, athlete, or administrator that made University of Minnesota greater than it was. So we celebrate their contributions. But what do we do with their transgressions? What happens when we learn that the hallmarks of their leadership were marred by discrimination and segregation? With the benefit of hindsight, what do we change?
2: I'm Riv-Ellen Prell, Professor Emerita of American Studies at the University of Minnesota.
1: In 2017, Ravellon became interested in a period of University of Minnesota history during the 1930s and 40s when a group of administrators persecuted select students. At first, her research revealed how they targeted students based on their political beliefs, but as she discovered more and more implicating documents, she also uncovered a hidden history of racism. The university president at the center of her findings, Lotus Kaufman, is still central to the university today. Kaufman Union, his namesake, is the core of University of Minnesota's East Bank campus. Containing offices, restaurants, performance spaces, and a bookstore, it is the heart through which all things University of Minnesota flow.
2: So Lotus D. Kaufman, uh, his field was education, and he was from a small town in Indiana, but had a big vision for the University of Minnesota. And as part of that vision, he was very interested in how to bring together students from all over uh, the state of Minnesota, whether they came from farms or they were um, children of immigrants who had come from Europe, including Eastern Europe. Uh, And as part of that, he... Uh, worked with the public school system and he appointed a committee and the committee did extensive research and in fact there is a very important document from that report which shows their careful um, analysis of the census to plan for the future and despite the fact that African Americans were a significant minority of the state of Minnesota They were not even counted in that report, which is to say that this visionary person, as he looked forward to a uh, a more democratic university, um, a university that would meet the needs of the future of the state, never imagined African Americans as part of that vision.
1: President Kaufman's refusal to incorporate African-American students into his vision of the university manifested in racist housing policies. In 1931, Pioneer Hall was the premier dormitory for young men at the university. Yet when James Pinkett, the first African-American student to attempt to live in Pioneer, arrived, President Kaufman intervened.
2: Uh, President Kaufman claimed in writing that he asked him, he asked Mr. Pinkett if he wanted to remain or if he'd like to be with his own people in another setting. And President Kaufman claimed that he said, oh, I want to leave here. I don't want to be here. Thank you. Um, his, so his luggage was taken. He spent one night in the dorm, and he was the next day met by a, a social worker who ran an African-American settlement house on the north side of Minneapolis that housed men, uh, student, out-of-state students often, or students who were in school away from home, even inside the state of Minnesota. And that, that is where John Pinkett lived. He did not complete his education at the University of Minnesota. I think he was there for two years.
1: President Kaufman also harbored prejudice against Jewish students. He requested that the university senate categorize the enrollment numbers of Jewish students separate from white students. Then he tracked many of them on the suspicion that they may be communists. You may wonder how a man like Kaufman could be celebrated. It can't just be chalked up to the times he lived in. His policies spurred many student protests in the 1930s and were often condemned by civil rights institutions. Yet, in many ways, University of Minnesota prospered during his 18-year presidency. Budgets, property values, student enrollment, and faculty numbers all increased significantly under his leadership.
2: That is the contradiction of Lotus D. Kaufman. He expanded the university physically. It became a much, much larger physical space. He had big ideas about education. He was, in some ways classically what is, historians call a progressive, but he at the same time was a committed racist who viewed the essential separation of the races as crucial to his view of the university, of the state of Minnesota, and of the United States.
1: Revelin and her research partner, Sarah Atwood, presented their findings last year in an exhibit titled, A Campus Divided, over 2,000 people attended. Discussions ensued about possibly renaming campus buildings, and President Eric Kaler quickly took action.
3: Fall of 2017, President Kaler set up the first of what would be two task force um, to look at the University of Minnesota's history.
0: Austin Maklis covers the university administration for The Daily.
3: That first task force was outlined with looking at Um, what the process is at the university for how we name building names and what the process would be like if we were to rename a building on campus. Um, That first committee, though, did not give recommendations of specific buildings and whether we should change those names. So that first task force meets and they end up meeting for several months and sort of right in the middle of that Um, Students who had seen the the Campus Divided exhibit uh, begin a petition to rename, um, specifically they highlight, Kauffman Memorial Union.
4: Um, I'm Chloe Williams. I am a senior at the University of Minnesota studying
0: communications and media. Chloe Williams was among six other student co-authors on the resolution. She's an MSA representative, a member of the Black Student Union. She saw the exhibit as a junior at the university. It was
4: startling I guess because um, I'm a student here and I hadn't heard this history before and I wasn't sure why um, or if who knew about the history until now and so it made me feel a little
0: uneasy but I knew that something had to be done after learning that information. So she did something. Chloe was head of diversity and inclusion in MSA at the time. She says at first, renaming was not what she had in mind. A couple of plaques and a permanent A Campus Divide exhibit could work, but many students on her committee wanted the renaming to happen. What hit her was the irony of housing multicultural student groups on the second floor of Kaufman Memorial Union. I realized, you know, the Black Student Union is housed inside of Kaufman,
4: and as well as other cultural student groups are on the second floor. And so that made me feel... That it was more important now to get the name removed because it makes no sense to have the black student union inside a building um, named after a man who didn't want them to be there.
0: The renaming process has taken a long time, a little over a year. The release of the committee's recommendations and research, which came out Wednesday, was delayed three times other campuses like Yale University got to a decision a little faster.
3: Yeah, I mean, part of the reason is the university is working on deciding what to do with four buildings in question. Um, Yale was only one building in question, or specifically, right, Calhoun College, where we have four. So that's just, you know, um, it's it's more buildings to have to look at. Um, the university's also said that um, they want to be really, really thorough in this process. The second committee report that is that has recommendations um, is very, very thorough. It's very scholarly, um, and it, it dives deep into the history.
1: The report was finally released on Wednesday. Here's Minnesota Daily reporter Jake Steinberg.
5: The task force concluded that uh, even with the historical context, uh, the, these guys were acting in a way that does not align with university values and that they no longer uh, are deserving of the honor that comes with having a building named after you.
1: What reasoning did they give in the report for unnaming Kaufman Union?
5: Kaufman worked to uh, enforce segregation in university housing and he, you know, he kicked out black students who got into Pioneer Hall and he worked tirelessly to enforce segregation at the university. And now, 80 years later, the Coffin Memorial Union is home, the home to a lot of the university's multicultural student groups. Um, you know, it doesn't really make sense that they are housed in this in this building named to honor him. And the report, the task force, really really grapples with that. Uh, is it fair to give him this honor when he works so hard to uh, limit access to education for people from non-white
1: backgrounds? So, the MSA petition to rename Kaufman only included the single building. How did these other three buildings get included in the recommendation?
5: So, that goes back to the uh, A Campus Divided exhibits that really cracked open this period of the university's history where there was a lot of division and a lot of the administrators were acting in very unethical ways, not, you know, not living up to the university's values. And so, um, Edward Nicholson was an example of that. He tracked the movements of Jewish students and compiled information and gave it to Republican um, legislators who used that to further their political careers. He gave it to the FBI. Um, there was, hang on, I gotta get the name right. There was William Middlebrook, who was the comptroller, which means he controlled all the money. He would do land deals where he would um, not allow black people to buy. University land because he thought it would lower the value of the land, the property. Uh, Walter Co- Walter Coffey was a university president through World War II, and the president before him, actually Guy Ford, had reversed the housing segregation policy of Kaufman. But when Coffey came along, he reversed Ford's policy. He said, "We're going to start segregating students again," and so the the task force really pointed at that as an example of like, okay, were their beliefs justified at the time, given like the attitudes around race at the time? Well, no, they weren't.
0: Do the recommendations end at just renaming the buildings?
5: No, they don't. Um, the, the task force recommends that regardless of whether or not the buildings are renamed, uh, the university should install exhibits in these buildings uh, that describe the complicated legacy of the person that they're named after. And it also recommends that the university permanently install the A Campus Divided exhibit uh, in Kaufman, uh, so that everyone can you know, further grapple with the university's complicated legacy. Uh, in addition to that, um, as a result of this report, this spring President Kaler is going to appoint uh, a new committee charged with um, examining and guiding discussion on the university's history, and that could include future renamings. Uh, So an example listed in the task force is uh, Wiley Hall is named after another former administrator who also perpetuated segregated housing on the university, and he wasn't a part of this report, um, but he could very well be part of a future report.
0: So this could spark further discussion and put more buildings into question.
5: Yeah, that is the intention. Uh, and, you know, it, it goes as far as like Pioneer Hall, right? That's a name, Pioneer, that erases the people that were here before white people came here. And so the, the report also recommends this, this new committee also grapple with the university's legacy in Dakota and Ojibwe territory.
1: And lastly, now that this recommendation has been made public, what are the next steps to the renaming process?
5: So, the renaming process has been going on for about 16 months now and it is far from over. Uh, Kaler got these recommendations on Friday and he's going to take all the information presented in this report and use them to make his own recommendations to the Board of Regents. The Board of Regents is ultimately going to decide whether or not these buildings are renamed, which buildings are going to be renamed. Uh, and we won't know what that's going to be until March.
1: After the report was released, Tiffany went to Kauffman Union and asked around, what did students think about it?
0: I mean, I think that's really empowering and that's like a bold step forward into um, reclaiming the buildings and rebuilding, reclaiming campus. For people of color, especially, so that's kind of the reason why we're using the terms Memorial Re- Union instead of C- Kaufman Memorial Union, just because of the history behind um, Kaufman and like the name where that came from. So when you talk to your friends about like where should we go study, you say Memorial Union like purposefully? Yes. So yeah. So we um, like renamed it like into like Memorial Union instead of just saying like
1: Kaufman Memorial Union. But some students didn't agree.
0: Do you feel like the m s a resolution to rename Kaufman and uh, any other buildings that they feel like um are named after leaders that history reflects poorly on? does that resolution represent you? No, I'm not in the um segment of the population who would you know act uh advocate for the m s a s resolution. It's a little bit extra or um, unnecessary to rename every single building after something someone that uh, was found to do something wrong. Because my argument is, in is in a hundred years, what if we find out, or what if people in a hundred years find some uh, policy that Kaler did was um, not, you know, up to up to their times? Does that mean we cannot rename Kaler after anything?
1: The only thing we know for sure is that the renaming process is far from over. Keep an eye out for the Minnesota Daily's coverage of President Kaler's recommendation to the Board of Regents in March. This episode of In the Know was produced by me, Luke Diamond, and was reported by my co-host, Tiffany Bui. Our intro music is by J.D. Duggan. Listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening.